Hello, I am coming to you from a hotel room in Denmark, in Adence, after uh, an incredible first show at a venue called Dexter last night. And we have another one tonight, but this is our first day when we're not in a van. So it's nice to be stationary for a second. And, um, I, and then I get to record this podcast too. So and in today's interview, I'm speaking to Daniel G. Harmon, who is an artist in his own right, but also works for DistroKid, who happens to be the sponsor. If you aren't aware of what DistroKid is, um, it's an online platform to get your music into stores. That's the easiest way to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, Tidal, TikTok, YouTube, and uh, all the services that you know and are familiar with. Um, you can upload as much as you want, keep 100% of your earnings, and it starts at just $19.99 um, a year. And um, yeah, it's just a great platform. It's something I use myself. But what I wanted to do for this interview was talk to Daniel because he's helped me a lot and he's given me a lot of advice. And I kind of wanted to share that advice with all of you. So if you're a musician yourself, then this is a very, very valuable conversation. Um, he is an artist in his own right, as I mentioned. He's got a band called Local Liars. I will link all, um, all the stuff in the show notes. So check those out. But otherwise, let's just get on with the show. Um, here is my interview with Daniel G. Harmon. Hi, my name is Mary Spender, and you are listening to Tuesday, 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 Tuesday Talks. I think this, this is how we should start. We should talk about our failures immediately. Perfect. Um, um, <laughs> it could be an with, entire day worth of conversation for me, at least. <laughs> oh, me too. Me too. I'm so open and I love it. I think failing is, is exactly how you end up somewhere. Um, uh, with musicals, for me, I think the downfall would be the acting. Don't know uh, how to act. <laughs> I think I, in, my, in my mind, I think I probably can, uh, uh -huh. <laughs> but I haven't like done it since high school. So, <laughs> but in my brain, I'm like, you know, Ian McClellan or something, <laughs> but, uh, I, I think I'm, well, more, I bet you are, uh, well, clearly, um, <laughs> no, I, uh, I think I just can sing fine. And, and I think I've always felt like, oh, that'll carry me. <laughs> no, no, there, there won't be any dancing involved. <laughs> like, I, I don't need to yeah. worry about that. But uh, I would probably say, you know, everything other than singing would be my downfall. Um, definitely no, no dancing. Um, <laughs> that's why I said, like, I just want to, I need to write it and just like mold it perfectly for myself and not try to like audition for anything. So. Have you, have you ever thought about writing a musical? Oh yeah. I think about it all the time. Really? Yeah. I have a couple ideas. Um, but it's just right now, DistroKid and, and music on my own is just really taking most of my time. So, um, yeah, yeah. And it's like one of those things where like, oh man, I'm going to have to take a class or something to like, mm -hmm. I, I'm so passionate about music and musicals that, but I don't know where to even start to, you know, write a, you know, a play at all. Like, you know, I think if I have an idea and then I can maybe try to go and, you know, go, workshop it somewhere with other people. Um, or maybe I think another thing for me would be great to find like a partner that would be good at like writing the, the dialogue or at least the, the words and I can handle the music and some of the words. Um, yeah. I've always felt like lyrics were always my shortcoming when it came to music. Um, but who knows? I, it's a, uh, it's on my bucket list, I guess my hope to someday do that. What about you? It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of on my bucket list too. <clears throat> my, my dad, my dad is always like, you know what you should do? 
you should write a, a rock opera. And I'm like, out of all the things I've got going on at the moment, you still, he's like still flying that flag of like, you should, because um, he loved um, Rocky Horror. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't seen it. I didn't see it for years and years and years. And he was like, oh, it's one of my favorite musicals. And I was like, okay, my dad is like really trying to like push this film upon me and this this whole musical. And he was like, yeah, it was like the most um, iconic thing at the time when he was, you know, a lot younger and just like, it was just an incredible movie. And he went and saw it live. Um, and then I saw it at Glastonbury Festival, this big, you know, like the sort of um, the public performances, which is so much fun saw it and I was like this is my dad's favorite musical <laughs> it's like a drag queen vampire and stuff I know I was like I was like this guy is like not this is this is not what I expected so anyway I learned a bit a bit about my dad that way but yeah he's still flying the flag for the rock opera thing and then I think about it and I'm like okay I need to firstly do the things that I really feel come naturally like releasing music, like making YouTube videos to build up to that point where you can take some time off because you can't, you can't do that alongside everything else. Um, yep. Sarah Bareilles doing Waitress, yeah. which I'm, I'm really excited about seeing. I'm finally seeing and I'm going to see her in the starring role. Oh my God, really? In, in the West End in January. Yeah, I booked my tickets immediately as soon as, as, soon as she put up a video up um, on Instagram saying that she was going to do it in the West End. Um, I, she, she was out of touring for like five years. Yeah, you have to, I, I can't imagine it doing anything else other than that for, you know, an yeah. extended amount of time if you want it to be good at all. Okay, um, well, let's go back onto the thing that you actually do. Um, <laughs> and so that's singer-songwriting and then you balance the day job with DistroKid too <clears throat> by being DistroKid's first employee back yeah. when it was a, a startup and now it's like this huge crazy thing taking over the world um start from the beginning tell me your story <laughs> um all right well so i've been putting out records since two, my first record came out in 2001 um <clears throat> and that was on like a small seattle label the guy that recorded it actually wanted to put it out on his label um and so at that point i just kind of made a choice of like well i'm either going to do this or i'm going to try to do a million other things it was kind of like you know a musical like i needed to focus on one thing cuz i thought i could like be a photographer and be a painter and be a musician but i realized i need to pick one thing and music was always the most important thing in my life so i was like well let's do this so <clears throat> i started putting out records and um i was using i a couple of them were on smaller labels um and then that all kind of ended, uh, and so I decided to self-release, um, and so I was using another distributor and paying, you know, 40 bucks a year to get them up, and, and you know, they were taking 10% of everything, and when, you know, when you're a starving musician, it's, mm-hmm. hard, to re- it's hard to recoup that, you know? It's like, you, you have 10 records out, and that's 40, $400 that you'll never really make back, um, from just from getting it into into the stores, uh, and so I heard about DistroKid, and I was released. This was 2015. I was releasing a record called White Mountains, um, that I had recorded in Portland, and I was gonna just go the normal route. But uh, some friends of mine were like, "Hey, you should try DistroKid," uh, and I was like, "All right, I'll give it a shot. <clears throat> Twenty bucks a year." So I upload the album, 
and I have a title on that album called The A in Adam, and the A I wanted to be capitalized. But <clears throat> uh, the website, uh, the DistroKid site, auto defaults to standardized capitalization for titles because that's how stores like things. Mm-hmm. Um, so the A was always, whenever I would click out of the box, it was going to lowercase. So I emailed support, which actually ended up just being Philip, the founder. And I was like, yeah. hey, what this is... Um, it'd be cool if we could get this capitalized. And he, and he wrote back like within an hour and was like, Hey, no one's ever pointed that out before. I built this tool for you. It's now called the DGH tool, where if you click the secret weapon on the upload form, you can lock your capitalization in however you want it. And he had like a little mock-up, you know, of screenshot. And I was like, this is amazing. Like I've never ever had this sort of farm to table kind of experience before in life and not to mention in music, <laughs> you know, cause most people try to like get help doing anything and they'll be like, fuck you, get to the back of the line. Who are you? That kind of thing. You know? Yeah. Um, and so farm I was to like, table is a great expression. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, if you ever need help, you know, um, I was an electrician at the time I went to electrician school and I was like, if you ever need help, let me know. Um, and he's like, I will. And so a year later, uh, he had <clears throat> sent out a tweet and I just happened to be on Twitter and he's like, I need help. And so I raised my hand and we had a conversation and that was, uh, the rest is history, I guess. So from March, 2016 to now I've been exclusively rock and distro kid. And, um, it was myself for about a month and a half, just doing everything customer service wise. And then, um, I needed to go on vacation. And so, Philip was like, well, you better find someone to help you out. And so uh, I interviewed a few people. um, But ultimately, I went with my buddy Jason, who was uh, the dude that told me about DistroKid in the first place. Like we, our bands always played shows together. And um, I knew he was looking for work. And so we chatted and then he chatted with Philip. And then Jason and I were the first, he was the second employee. And so we rocked it solo for like a year and a half. Um, and that was as the company was just really getting huge. Um, and now we're at almost 50 employees, which is pretty insane. Um, you know, Jason and I, we, we live in Seattle, so we, we kind of built out a team here. And then as we grew, um, we hired more people in New York cause, um, Phillip's there. And so now we're basically split between New York and Seattle. Um, we have a couple people like a product manager that lives in San Francisco and the CEO lives in Portland. Um, but the core are in Seattle and, and New York. And so Jason and I are constantly back and you know, bouncing between the, between the two. So that's the ab- somewhat abridged version of, of my history here. Um, I started doing customer service and then doing album review. Um, and now focus primarily on, on marketing and, and, uh, sponsorship kind of stuff. So, yes. And, and that's how <laughs> we got to know each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so with your new role, when, when did you start it like officially focusing um, on sponsorships and marketing? Mid-October. Um, but oh, I, right. I, I so was always really... doing it um, in, in yeah. addition to like managing a team and stuff. So now I can really kind of sink my teeth into working with, uh, with people like you, content creators and, uh, and artists directly, which is awesome. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a smart approach. Um, with uh, one thing that I noticed last night, because um, I need to finish uploading the rest of my EP on DistroKid, I got the email from Philip about the Marcel <laughs> generator. Yeah. And I kind of want to bring this up because this is how brilliant uh, 
this company is just to have the freedom to be able to make something like that it's the famous scene in friends uh where marcel the monkey puts on a record and you can put your own music as a district artist into this video generator yeah. and then you get your own thing i'm gonna post mine later today actually um is that how he works is that like when he comes up with an idea like that philip the He's he's CEO and founder, right? Correct. Yeah, that's still his title. Um, how how is it to work with someone like that who does come up with those sort of innovative ideas and stuff? Uh, it's amazing. You know, I uh, I am not that kind of creator. I guess I think I I plan too much. Um, so it's really refreshing to work with someone who like you wake up in the middle or wake up in the morning and you see like five emails that are like, I built this and it's live. And then you check out Twitter and people are losing their minds. You know, the Marcel yeah. thing at first I was like, well, that's interesting. And then I did it like with my band's music and I was like, oh my God, this is the greatest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. Cause like <laughs> yeah. he, he added like a, a laugh track to it and everything. And it's just, so, it's so good. Um, yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where, um, you know, we can talk about tech and we can talk about all the things that, that make DistroKid about getting, you know, great and getting things into stores quickly and, you know, paying, you know, a hundred percent of your royalties and stuff, but I, which are all super important, but I think the fun side, you have to have a little bit of fun, to, to be a, a great company. And, and, and the fun comes from Philip being able to like crank out some crazy idea and then people like losing their shit over it. You know, I think that's yeah. so awesome. Well, <clears throat> and it's the most organic way, you know, showing a sense of humor as a company is really, really important. And the thing that I love even about working with you was the freedom you gave me when, when we organized the sponsored series, um, all of September, you know, you literally said in an email, just like, oh, just send me the link when it's gone live. So you just like put trust in me and that gave me the freedom to go a bit beyond where I've ever tried to go. Um, so it's just, it's really refreshing. And um, having worked in um, a big corporate organization, uh, as opposed to a st startup, like things just move a lot slower when there are you know, years and years behind a company that is, you know, has a legacy to protect and everything. There's only so much maneuvering they can do. Whereas for me, the thing that is intriguing is like the last minute stuff, the, the just going out on a, on a, you know, just coming up with a crazy idea like that and then making the internet go wild. And that's so, so exciting. Um, so in, in comparison to obviously starting with District Kid in 2016, but obviously releasing your first record in 2001, you've seen like I think we're going to be at this weird point in musical history where it's like this is it was kind of the death of physical copies and that sort of thing and how it's evolved into purely online um what are your thoughts on all of that it's a big question I know no it's great um so let's see where to start uh, you know I'm I I have a, a storage unit full of CDs that uh, I'm sure is the story of most of you know, the people in, you know, such as yourself who, who have put yeah. out records for a long time, they, that they're just not moving units <laughs> anymore, even no matter how many shows or how many tours you go on, you know, it's just, you can't just, you just can't sell CDs anymore. Um, I think vinyl is really, you know, I'm a huge vinyl collector and, um, it's funny since I've started working in digital music, I've listened to more music on vinyl than I ever have. Um, I think it's, mm -hmm. I, sometimes I just need to like break out of my, you know, 
little shell that you see here and then and get up and put on a record and, and like physically do a thing. But I think that yeah. ultimately, that's a tangent, but um, <clears throat> ultimately I think, you know, where we're at now gives artists more freedom and more ability to be heard than ever before. Uh, just because, you know, people ask all the time, like, well, should I opt into every store? Should I opt into Angami? Should I opt into Savin? And it's like, of course you should. You know, you're the more content you put out and the more places that you put your music, the more chance you have of being heard. Um, you know, there may be people who only use Apple Music or only use Angami who would never have heard you if you were just on Spotify or if you yeah. didn't want to put your music on YouTube. You know, um, everything is so easily shareable um, and, and it's just really easy for people to hear you now which I think is amazing. I, I say this all the time and, you know, back when I was hustling and, and touring and playing a ton of shows, you know, I was making the same amount of money for, on downloads and streams than I do now, which is because, you know, there's just availability now. You know, I, yeah. if it's, it's, a, it's a very small amount per month but it's, it's equal to, if not greater than it was in 2004, when I was like really trying to, you know, get out there and play as many shows as I could and promote my music as much as I can. And now I'm just like some old dude that releases a Christmas single every year and like <laughs> plays in a punk band. And I'm still like making money because it's like on play stuff's on playlists or like I have licensed stuff in the past and now it's easier to like find the things that I license just by looking on Spotify and people have create playlists based on that kind of stuff. And so I think that it behooves the artist to get their stuff in as many outlets as possible. And just, you know, if you want to promote it, if you want to, you know, promote your stuff on Spotify, focus on one store, one DSP at a time, that's great, but just get it out there and, and just kind of blanket the world with your stuff because people are out there and people are hungry. And the way that like, Spotify creates playlists now based on what you're listening to. You can easily get added to stuff that you would never even have thought of in the past. So that's my, that's my elevator pitch for why I think we're in a good spot for digital music right now. Well, I also think it's really interesting because I mean, maybe you come across these kinds of people as well, but like I've been to, um, uh, sort of like royalty, uh, conferences, like we have PRS over here. You guys have ASCAP and BMI. Is that BMI? ASCAP and BMI. Yeah. Those are the two big ones. All uh, the people that I've met in past networking events through those sorts of companies, um, think that they are owed something by the old industry. And really in reality, like they never, they never succeeded in the old industry either. So when people are really worried about having um, all their music on, on streaming and it being, you know, just downloaded for free and just no one appreciating their art anymore, I'm like, well, no one was really appreciating your art <laughs> back when you had to sell CDs. Like, you don't need to... Trying to go against the way people are actually listening. And I did one video... Um, just ahead of me releasing all these new sing, well, the EP, but via singles. Um, I was just like, I, I wanted to ask my audience questions. And I think that's where people also forget, like they don't understand that the people who are listening to them might have, one of them will have a Tidal account. One of them will have a Spotify account. Yep. One, one of them will be on Apple Music. 
but they will decide to go against all that, just sell physical copies, which I think it's actually beneficial to have limited stock of physical copies, but make them special, sign them, um, you know, make them uh, a physical thing in this in day and age of streaming. Like people st still do love that. They might not even have a CD player, but it's still like something for them to put in a frame yep. um, and show their support to the to the artist. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just really interesting. I did this this ten question video, and the differences between you know all these um, you know same same gender same age group people like all in these different categories the difference within each of those there is you have to ask your audience to find that out there's no research there's nothing else out there unless it's personalized towards you as an artist that you can find out on your own so you really do have to be everywhere because mm -hmm. you just don't you don't know where your fans are anymore um which is really great well i mean you do know where they are because like mine obviously watch youtube um but through that they have all their preferred ways of listening to music some of them love downloading high-res files um some of them you know want to just have it all on spotify and you know people are getting rid of stuff now they're becoming more minimalist and everything like that so having it available on their phone yeah i just i completely agree and that's why i think i just agree with the ethos behind it um but it is super interesting that you know, how it's gone and how people are trying to fight the system when really it's like they're owed something, when really they're being given this opportunity to deliver their music out to almost, you know, potentially millions of people. Um, so, yeah, that's my two cents on it, too. No, it's great. And you're totally right. And I think, you know, <clears throat> people are, especially a different generation, are scared you know, scared of change, scared of doing things differently. Um, you know, I was like that for a while too. When, when, when iTunes first came along, I was like, well, I, I love CDs and I, you know, I love looking at liner notes. Like that's a thing I geek out on, like who engineered this and who played bass on this and that kind of stuff. But then you just kind of have to adapt and you realize, you know, there's place for that too. Like they're now, now stores are accepting more and more and more stores are accept, accepting credits. And, um, you were saying a thing that I wanted to jump on, but I completely forgot what it was. Um, uh, da, 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 da. This is called dead air, uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. I was uh, just I'll, thinking about I'll think the, of the it. Oh, I know what it was. I know what oh, it yeah. was. Um, so, you know, I think we're in a great time right now because, you know, sto stores, I say stores, DSPs, streaming services, you know, Spotify, Apple Music, they empower the artists to have access to the data that they have like um mm -hmm. you know m more and more you know you can see where people are streaming your music where pe what you know gender the people are that are streaming your music and that really allows you to to market if you have the the budget or the opportunity or to tour to these areas that the people are listening to your music because why go to Duluth when people are only listening to your shit in Chicago you know, yeah. you really have the ability to dig into that stats through Apple Music for Artists, Spotify for Artists. Um, and, you know, on DistroKid, if you have like the Musician Plus or Label Plan, you can look at um, your Apple Music for Artists, like really deep dive. There is a lot of information there. Um, usually I'll just like look at the map to see like where people are playing my music and it's just always like my house. <laughs> 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 and some random dude in Germany. Um, but, you know, artists have the ability now, you know, to do, it takes work. 
Um, but if, if you have the energy and the time and the desire and the hunger, you have most of the tools at your disposal to just kind of dig in and, and get to work. So, um, yeah. And, and, and finding, finding that audience by pumping out content, um, which is a tricky thing because people do see it as, uh, you're sort of spreading yourself quite thin, but really to get that music heard, you have to raise awareness of it. So even the journey I've taken where I, I luckily did spend the time, um, figuring out exactly how to perform live. I, I tried going out on the road, failing multiple times, um, coming back with no money. Uh, and you know, doing the wedding gigs, doing the four hour cover (laughs) sets, all that sort of stuff to then go into this new realm of, okay, I don't want that kind of, uh, career anymore. It's it. I I couldn't really see it as as lasting all that long with you know pubs giving up live music and it being too expensive to hire musicians everything. So I was just like, okay, where are people watching? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was online video for me. And now um, you know all the social media platforms just sort of growing really really slowly. And it's a it's a proper scalable growth industry too. Um, and then raising my awareness. And even if it's 1% of my you know, YouTube subscribers listening to my music, that is more people than I've ever expected ever to yep. listen to my music. <laughs> so sure. it's, it's just one of those things. It's like, okay, yes, you don't want to get caught up in this other thing and learning to make videos or um, you know, just not being in your studio all the time pumping out music. It, it might be seen as a distraction, but at the same time, it allows for people to hear the thing that you actually want people to hear and you get the time to sort of like step away from for a bit, go away, make a record while still like just giving your audience something for free. Um, and people really value it because again, it just doesn't, it doesn't really matter how many people are subscribed to your channel. It's, it's in the 1%, in the 10% of that audience that can really, really make your life incredibly different, just like mine is now. And, um, you know, having, having the ability to look unbelievably professional individually now and having things on Spotify, having things, you know, everywhere, um, all curated, all nicely, like the, the sophistication behind something like DistroKid with all the information you can now put, like the credits and, you know, the equivalent of the liner notes now. I just, it's just so exciting. And this is all still so fresh. Like if it's 2019 now, um, you know, so DistroKid, was it founded in 2015 or was it earlier than that? Was he working on it a bit, 20, a bit longer? I, I want to say 2013, 2014. 2013. It, it kind of okay. st- stemmed off of Fandalism, which was a site that he had put together for to kind of connect musicians. Um, and then was like, hey, you know, w- these people should all get their stuff into stores and then realized, oh, it's incredibly difficult or expensive. So let me yeah. kind of, he spent a year building DistroKid to kind of, you know, empower artists. Um but kind of going back to what you said about your own, you know, journey and where you, and I hate that word, um, <laughs> your own journey on where you ended up, which is amazing that you were able to find that. Like, however, all of that, all that legwork that you did playing shows, you know, doing weddings has made you who you are and made you an incredible performer. Right. So you can't discredit that. And that like part of that is why you're so great at what you do now. I believe, you know. Well, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change this either. Yeah. I think also being, being older, if, if this sort of thing was happening to me at 21, 
I don't think I'd actually be able to handle it at all. Um, but uh, no, I, I needed to do that. And, and that's kind of the thing that I recommend. Like people can't, can't ever take that experience away from you. Whereas if you've never done it, you might be put in positions where having done it would benefit you. Totally. So for me, like performing with some of the guitarists I now get to perform with or wanting to use this all as a vehicle to get up on stage and you know perform live again, if I had actually not done this and been buried away in my studio, like I've kind of been for the past two years, if I hadn't you know, had that rehearsal time, all that practice, all that failure, I would be in a really, really vulnerable and risky, you know, it's just like people going on Pop Idol or X Factor where the, the spike in popularity blows up, but they have no foundation there to actually survive it. Um, because whether it's going viral, whether it's just having a huge uh, surge of popularity through a TV show or through through the internet, whatever, you have to mentally prepare yourself for that. And actually the best way to prepare for that is to have years and years of unsuccessful F failure time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and failure yeah. because then you really, really, truly appreciate it. But you also know that you can start from zero again. You know, like if this all came crashing down, if YouTube just, you know, stopped for me tomorrow, I, I'd be all right. Like I, I know that because either I could just jump on the next platform, learn how to, you know, figure it out and, and just get on it and start building an audience. But at least I've had like a little bit of name, maybe a bit of name recognition now, and maybe a percentage of, of those followers would find me elsewhere. Um, but at the same time, if I had to go back, back out on the road for 365 days of the year, which I've never really wanted to do. And that's why I've kind of found, you know, enjoyment in making videos and sort of more scalable content but if I had to do that I would do that to be the musician that I want to be um but yeah it's it's pretty exciting like the freedom you're giving um to musicians all around the world it's just it's unfathomable like is it even is it is it it must be more than 250,000 artists by now yeah um we I would I would say we're probably so the numbers are always a little different because we can say like, oh, we have so many paid accounts, but each of those paid accounts has like one to 10 artists that they, that are managed under that like label account or whatever. So right. I, I, I think it's closer to, you know, 500 to 750,000, um, that are using us. And, and so the, the crazy thing to me, you know, it's crazy in one way, but it makes complete sense in another is that those the the numbers are just continuing to grow. And I, it's a thing that I believed from day one. <clears throat> like I knew that working for DistroKid would be the last job I ever had because it tapped into something that um, I'm so passionate about. But I also knew that that the the ability for this for this company to do incredible things was just endless. You know, you yeah. said you said it yourself, you know, the great thing about DistroKid really it comes down to it allows the artist to control the narrative. You know, you take the power away from a label or, or uh, you know, a, a management company or whatever and put it back in the artist's hands and it allows them to be more creative. It allows them to release music every day if they want to without yeah. having to, you know, pay 20 bucks per single or 40 bucks an upload or whatever um, and know that, you know, there's com it's just a, it's a great time that we live in to know that there's companies like us that kind of exist that allow artists to, to do that, which is... I wish we'd been around, you know, 
15 years ago. <laughs> but uh, everything happens at the right time for the right reason. So um, I'm just I'm just incredibly stoked and incredibly proud of of what we've become and where we're where we're going. So yeah, I I, I really like that that vibe of you saying it's going to be the last job you ever have because it is unstoppable when you get when you hand freedom over to artists especially in you know like um a political climate like this where they aren't censored um in terms of like how much they can creatively put out they're just like they are free to create put stuff up online for such an affordable amount of money every year like twenty dollars that's I mean, it's just incredible. Like, it's actually incredible. Oh, <laughs> My dog just barked. Sorry. Oh, hey. It's a bit. I think What's that's your dog's the, name? What's your dog's name? His name is Jack. Jack. Hey. I'll show you. I'll show him to you afterwards. We have two dogs. We got a little yes. little girl recently. Hey. Knock it off. <laughs> Jack's just trying to join the podcast. His mom must be home. Um, <laughs> He's but, like, I've uh, got something important to say about the music industry. <laughs> he does. He's been around. He's I've recorded a bunch. He's seen of, it all. Written all the songs around it. Um, yeah. The thing that is tricky, though, <clears throat> the hard part about my job is convincing people that it's not too good to be true, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, you hear twenty bucks a year, and you're like, okay, what? What is the? Where's the bullshit? What's? What's the gotcha? And it, you know, I think that we've always been an honest company. Like we're we. You read the Twitter feed, which is mostly Philip, and you see this like a real person come through. You know, mm -hmm. you don't see like you said corporate jargon just like being spewed. Like, you know, yeah. it's 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 a real thing, and I think that that's all right. Hold on, Jackie, go downstairs. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Top, speaking of real, yeah. um, <laughs> that's one of the one of the uh, the non benefits of working from home. Uh, oh, all right. Sorry. Um, you know, one of the, my favorite distro kid moments, um, that Philip did was when we launched uh, pre-order through iTunes, he, yeah. uh, he sent a tweet that said, Hey, look, we're now, we're now supporting pre-order on iTunes. I know a lot of you fuckers have been asking for that. <laughs> and like, I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. And like, Sure, we got a couple people writing in, be like, "I need to cancel my DistroKid account. You're offensive or whatever." But you know, the like you said, like the vast majority of people are like, "This is amazing. Like this is this is how I talk. This is how I talk to my friends. This is like how, we're musicians. This is how we talk to each other." You know, um, like exactly. this guy, this company gets it, and I think that's the thing that kind of sets us apart is Philip's personality and his ability to do those crazy midnight launches of the Marcel generator or whatever yeah. that keep people engaged and stoked and be like, Oh, this isn't just like, you know, a place that's collecting my money and just saying goodbye. You know, they want to engage with the, the people that are, they're using the platform. And then Philip will send these texts that are like, he'll, it's like a, an automated, you know how you can like, like screenshot your iPhone, but like the movie, like you can just like, record what your your actions are so he'll he sent yeah. a text out um to jason and i that was like him going to instagram typing in marcel and then it's just like a page pages and pages of just that like and that's the stuff that gets you stoked it's like oh my god people are like watching it and like paying attention and doing it like being like oh how can i add this to my own music and and you know that obviously I'm smart enough to know that like that's not going to last for months and months and months. It could, but you know, you have to embrace those quick fun things and then move on to the next one. So 
Well, it, it, it just it doesn't matter that it's not going to last forever. Um, totally. It, it's it's the it's the influx of, um, you know, it's it's the viral thing. Like it's the you know you have the the you actually have the product to back it all up. So when the hype goes crazy and it spikes, you know that it's not going to come crashing down. People within that, whether it's just even a small percentage of uh, people's friends seeing that this has been available to them, they also want to release their own music. Like, it's just smart marketing. It's just, it's it's a beautiful idea. And it's just like, it's honest, and it's funny, and it's something everyone can resonate with, like, quoting anything friends now and actually I don't know about this but it's so weirdly universal despite it being an American tv show it's possibly more popular between me and my friends in England um than it is my friends in in America actually at my same age like this is the one thing that I found is like my American friends who are you know late 20s never really watched it yeah whereas I didn't everyone really watch my it. age it's crazy. So yeah. it, because of it being in syndication, it was it was over here. And it, so, again, it's this American TV series. It's completely universal. It's just a smart thing. It gets your own personal, you know, you get your own involvement in it with your music being part of this, yeah. you know, incredibly famous thing. It's just smart. It's just smart marketing. And that's that's why I really ap- appreciate you guys. And that's why I think, you know, it's important to realize from a musician's perspective you know, you you have to do your best job to make this the product that you're happy to push as well. And the fact that it's built in aid of musicians, it's not just someone jumping on the bandwagon of being like, okay, well, this is this is the way it's um, going to be popular and this is going to earn us lots of money and then, yeah, we'll, we'll bow out. No, you guys have to keep evolving just like musicians have to keep evolving. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just cool that you can be so fast-paced now and also have employees like across the country and then be working with you know me in England and (laughs) um you know other content creators all around the world so flexibly and um yeah I just yeah I can't rave about it enough and I'm I'm just I'm very happy to um be part of it even just to I just I I have this whole thing where um whereas other people are uh, trying to protect the traditional music industry and trying to protect that of um, all the ideals that were held up so high. I'm there really trying to destroy every single one of those single-handedly just for my own kind of music where it's like, it's not commercial, but I found my little niche. Mm-hmm. I found my audience. Not everyone is going to like the music I make. They might watch the videos. They might hate the music. It doesn't really matter. It's just like, I'm at least able to do it to a pretty high standard now because of yeah because of companies like district kids so there we go that's that's oh. my uh well thank you so much i mean you're part of the district kid fam you know <laughs> yeah. we, we love you um you know and you, you kind of hit the nail on the head we wouldn't be able to do like the marcel generator or whatever funny meme that philip does you know this month or next without having a strong foundation without having like good bones you know making yeah. sure our accounting is right and artists are getting paid as quickly as they can. And their music is actually getting to stores as quickly as we say it can, you know, and as long as we're solid there, which we always will be, we can go ahead and, and, and do other fun things all the time. So Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's where, I mean, everyone can take a note of that. Like as long as your foundation is strong and people know that you are ultimately like either a good musician or just, you know, fundamentally a good person, um, 
you can move quickly and you can show a sense of humor. And I just, yeah, I think that's, it's kind of being a bit lost at the moment as well. So um, I'm very appreciative of when it happens. Well, thank you. And, you know, it's, uh, we're going to, we're continuing to grow. We're still, you know, we are definitely not bigger than I ever expected, but we've grown really, really quickly and it's just going to hopefully continue. And, and, uh, I'm, I'm stoked that you're along for the journey. Well, <laughs> there, there's that word again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to start singing journey songs to you. <laughs> that's that's don't, my karaoke song. Don't stop believing, um, Mary Spender. Well, so um, is there anything else that you want to sort of communicate or um, any sort of information or knowledge that you think you you might have for all the musicians out there who are like just looking to put out, not even necessarily in terms of talking about DistroKid anymore, but um, just from the lessons you've learned? Um, well, as far as what DistroKid offers, I think that I, the thing that people ask me all the time is like, like, you know, what's the one piece of advice you'd give someone that's uploading to DistroKid? And I always say, upload your shit at least four weeks before your launch date, because it allows you to make changes or take it down and, you know, make a, you know, change the artwork out if you need to or whatever. And then it'll make sure that stores will have it ready to roll by the time your 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 record is ready to come out or your single or whatever. And it get, allows you to really pimp out that hyperfollow link, which is yeah. so clutch now because um, what it is basically is as soon as your album gets uploaded, you get a link that you can share to social media or whatever that has um, the album art and the title and also the stores that it's in at that time. So like if it's, if your release is coming out in four weeks, you get the link and it'll probably just show your iTunes pre-order link. But as soon as more stores start adding it, like the day it comes out, that page will fill with all the other links. So you can just, instead of the annoying thing that I always hated was having to be like, Hey, go listen to my song on Spotify. Hey, let's go listen to it on title or whatever. Instead, it's a landing page for all of those things. So as soon as you upload your release, you get that and you start putting it out there and people pay attention and it allows you to pre-save your, um, allows people to pre-save your release on Spotify. Um, so, which means you'll get their email address that you can then use and add to their, um, to your, you know, email list or whatever, if you want, you'll see who's responded to it. And as soon as your release comes out, um, that'll be added to their Spotify library. So it's an invaluable tool. A lot of people are using it, but I think that people, a lot more people should be using it. Um, yeah, that's my little golden nugget of, of what to do to get your release ready to, you know, roll, get it uploaded early and start using your hyperfollow link as much as you can. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, so I'll chime in because like, I am terrible at um, really, really planning in advance. And luckily, because of having the record done so far in advance and then choosing the release date and everything, I, I, you know, I had a problem with my artwork because I thought that I could upload every single, every literal single um, uh, with the same artwork and then discovered that I couldn't. So I had to go back to the artist and get different different sort of versions of the Mm -hmm. same thing so it still looks unified still looks like it's from the same um ep but and and you were so helpful with that and 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 giving me feedback on how to really 
make the most of that. Um, but if I hadn't, I mean, I, I, I did one song a little bit last minute and luckily um, it wasn't so last minute that nothing came out at the right time. But I love how DistroKid warns you. It's like, hang on a minute. You have released this. You're, you're wanting to release this within a month. Maybe just rethink your schedule. Like, what's the rush? <laughs> Give yourself the month, and then and then you can actually do a better job. So, I think that's it's um, it's something I still need to live by and plan better. But um, but yeah, it's it's such a it's such a useful tool. Yeah, th- I think it's uh, I think it's awesome, and I think it's only going to get better as uh, the year goes on, or the years go on. Um, and then just kind of like personal advice from an old curmudgeon musician, you know, to the kids, uh, do the work, you know, go play shows, get on, you know, try to sing on everybody's record, try to play guitar on everybody's record, you know, you know, play as many shows as you can go on tour and just, it's only going to make you, it's only going to make you better and ask if you want to do something, ask to do it. Like I never would have got this job at DistroKid had I not asked to do it. You know, I think a lot of people are like, oh, this person's famous or this person um, is, you know, has never heard of me. Why would I ask to sing on their record or whatever? It's like, listen, that person thinks about another person that way. Everyone's like everyone's in it right now and everyone's hungry. And so it never hurts to ask for the things you want. Be don't be afraid to, you know, get your feelings hurt or, you know, fail. Um, yeah. and it's, it's only going to make you again. a stronger artist, you know, down the road. So that's my, that's my, uh, my old man pitch for you. Well, and, <laughs> and, um, as a, as a, you know, almost old woman in this game now, like oh, I completely, I completely agree. Um, do your work. I think the, the opportunities that were given to me that I know so many, I mean, you just have to read my comments to like, um, see that people are just like, how did she, especially when I was a fledgling YouTube channel. They were like, how did she get an interview with this person? How did she end up on this person's channel? Like how, and it wasn't about the numbers. It was about me actually, I was uploading every week and my now friends who had these huge channels were seeing that. And the thing they appreciate more than numbers because they don't need any more numbers. Like some of these channels are just doing just fine by themselves. They don't need to collaborate with a single person in their, for the rest of their lives. But they see someone doing the work and then they will, you know, especially if you put yourself forward and you, you end up networking with them, whether it's at an event like NAM or, you know, you'd end up being a person to them. Um, being behind an email is quite tough, but if you are there making YouTube videos or Instagram content or releasing music and you see, you know, they come across your back catalog of what you've been doing. Um, it's the, it's the best way to, get in the room you know and you know just your encounter with Philip um it was a year before you got the job but if you hadn't sent that you know it just it wouldn't you were doing the work you were releasing the music and you were figuring it out and you were learning the platform and then that insight is something separate to the person that actually created it because you can see it from a different perspective so um yes wholeheartedly agree um and I think that's the best way to end it thank you so much for all your advice thank you yeah of course thanks for thanks for having me the podcast is amazing the last one made me very sad and I'm sorry for your loss um but uh it was uh yeah I think you're doing a great thing and congratulations on on the growth of your channel it's it's amazing so thank you Uh, people people appreciate appreciate um you know genuine and a lot of people you know 
have a, a good bullshit detector, and so you're uh, you're you're killing it. So uh, keep it up. Well, thank you. That's how I feel about <laughs> you too. In in terms of like, you're honest, you're open, and you've um, I don't know, you've you've done your research on what I was trying to achieve and how it fit in with everything. So I you know I can't I can't thank you enough. Um, and especially like our first like proper encounter um, and organizing the the series of videos like that opportunity came at a time where uh, well, it basically just changed this whole year for me. So um, oh, thank awesome. you very much. Thank you. All right. All right. Um, do you want to uh, leave anything to, you know, in terms of links or <laughs> your music? Can uh, people listen to your music? Give yourself a shout out. <laughs> sure. Um, so. I currently play in a band called Local Liars. Um, we just recorded another single this uh, this last week, which I'm really excited about. Um, you can find us on all of the places, uh, Local Liars on Instagram as well um, and Facebook. Uh, and my my own music uh, is under my name, Daniel G. Harmon, H-A-R-M-A-N-N, and I'm on Spotify and all of all of that jazz. Um, and I have about. T- 12 studio albums out that I've released over the last almost 20 years now. And, uh, I re- recently I've been recording a Christmas song <laughs> for the last two years yes. with, with my buddy and coworker Jason. Uh, last year we did uh, a song called it feels like Christmas, which was v- probably one of my favorite Christmas songs ever. It's from the Muppet Christmas Carol. Um, uh, and that's on Spotify. And then this year we're releasing Another one, I'm not going to spoil the title of it yet because it's kind of secret, but we've recorded that last week and I'm super excited about that too. So um, if you check out my Spotify page, you'll see it pop up uh, in hopefully a couple weeks. So uh, that's that's my elevator pitch. You can find me on Facebook. The you Just look up Daniel G. Harmon or it's facebook.com forward slash DGH and TTS, which is for my old band, The Trouble Starts. So Perfect. That, that's me. I'll put all those links in the liner notes too of the podcast. Um, All right. Well, thank you again. Thank you, Mary. Talk to you soon.